This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hello and welcome to Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love. I'm Carmen Pate, your host for this podcast. Would you be disappointed to hear that heaven is not about floating on clouds and rewards are not about earning wings or playing harps for eternity? Well, I'm quite relieved to know that these man-made ideas of eternity in no way align with the truth of Scripture. God has great things in store for those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. Today, we'll get a glimpse as we conclude our discussion of rewards with Dr. Joe Wall. Dr. Joe Wall is Professor of Systematic Theology here at Grace and coordinates the training of Grace School with the work of his mission, East-West Ministries, in the Republic of Georgia and Central Asia. Dr. Wall has pastored several churches throughout Texas. In addition, he served as the academic dean of Dallas Bible College, as president of Colorado Christian University, and as executive vice president of field ministries and vice president of training with East-West Ministries. Dr. Wall is the author of Going for the Gold, Reward or Loss at the Judgment of Believers, our subject matter for today. Welcome back. Good to be back. Well, I'm excited to just continue in this discussion of rewards. It's a fascinating discussion, and I'm hoping, if nothing else, that it prompts our listeners to think more about eternity, Dr. Wall, because we can become so focused on the matters of the world, uh, and so this really helps us put things in perspective, I think. Well, you know, the joy and blessing of spending eternity with Christ seems to be reward enough for trusting Jesus. But God, in his grace, chose to bestow special rewards for special acts of service. Mm -hmm. And since we don't deserve anything, what is God's purpose in making available rewards? I think his purpose in having rewards out there is for us to understand the difference between that which is uh, of the earth, of the world, and that which is eternal value. Mm. He wants us to live with a perspective on eternity and to see things from his value standpoint. And the idea of rewards shakes us loose from a worldly attitude. We say worldliness is bad. Well, uh, well, what's the way you do do away with that? Well, you get an eternal perspective. You get a heavenly perspective. Mm-hmm. Some have said the person is too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. I think it's the very opposite. You got to be heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. Oh, I agree. And that's what it's all about. It's it's yes. about what really counts in life now. You would understand it when you view it from eternity. Oh, that's a very good explanation. Absolutely. Well, you know, you have categorized five major rewards from Scripture uh, in your course, mm-hmm. uh, in the Grace of God course. Let's explore each of these. And let's start with treasure in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we know that we're not going to take our money with us, Dr. Wall. Mm-hmm. So what is meant by our treasure in heaven? You got me. <laughs> we can only surmise. Uh, yes. Obviously, treasure is something that you save up that has value that can be used for some purpose 
of exchange. So if treasure now is I save up treasure so I can have some kind of use of it, it's apparently there's something that I save up that I've got some kind of use for it in eternity. That's as far as we can go with it. Uh, Jesus just compares earthly treasure with heavenly treasure. It may be a broad metaphor to describe all of the other blessings. It may be just a summary of all of the rest of them. Or there may be something that is involved in uh, special blessings that we get to experience. Uh, the Bible says that God makes a, the new heavens and the new earth. Mm-hmm. And according to the scriptures, it appears that this vast universe is inhabited by angels. Fallen angels seem to have been concentrated to Lucifer's throne room area, which was in Eden on this planet. And so you, you've got apparently the rest of the universe. Uh, basically, we're going to rule over with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it's all going to be like when he remakes it. He's going to redo it. Yes. Yeah. And so there's a vast universe. It's so big. People are talking of billions of, of stars in billions of gla- galaxies. And you've got this thing that they, they can't see the end of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you think in those terms, you get really excited about this thing. People are really excited about maybe taking a, a, a rocket ship and getting to Mars. Right. For Pete's sake, that'll be a, just a stepping stone to the, the rest of the universe that we're going to rule over. So treasure, I'm not sure what exactly it is, but it seems to include uh, blessings that are given to us and our role and our place and and the joy of, of working under the Lord Jesus and ruling over the angels throughout the universe. Mm. That sounds exciting. It absolutely does. Well, you know, another area of reward is special inheritance. Now, we often hear that as believers, we are heirs with Christ. Mm -hmm. What more do you think is meant by a special inheritance? Well, it's kind of like uh, in Israel. All the nation inherited the nation, but people had inheritances within it, and there were ways they could lose their inheritance. And there were special laws made so that a person, if they somebody died in the family, there wasn't somebody that was a man and a woman could get the inheritance. They made special laws to be fair to everybody that they got an inheritance in the land. So it does seem that the Bible uses the idea of inheritance to refer to inheriting of being a part of the entire kingdom. Mm-hmm. And the other one has to do with individual place that we have in it. Yeah. And it sounds like a piece of territory. I don't know for sure. A lot of this is obviously they're metaphors in the scriptures mm-hmm. and how how literal to take them is, is not really totally clear. But the, I surmise, you know, inheritance might be a galaxy, you know, mm-hmm. or it might be one little moon on the edge of one little planet in one little galaxy. Uh, so the person's inheritance in eternity will depend upon the way they live now, according to the scriptures. Yes, yes. And, and I, you know, I think about when they, the scripture talks about being faithful with little, you will be given much. Yes. Uh, and, and I always uh, associate that with our inheritance. I think so. If we've been faithful here, then we're more likely to be given charge for more. I think so. In eternity. Wow. So. Well, another reward is your reference, uh, your reference is rule or dominion. So uh, you mentioned the angels, and so our, our, we will have privilege of ruling over, over the angels? Yeah, because of our relationship with Christ, there is clearly a, a being a shared in the rule of Christ over the whole universe. In fact, Paul is dealing with Christians debating with each other and taking their issue to the local law courts, and he reminds them, don't you know you're going to rule over angels? Mm. So live like you're going to be an angel ruler. Yeah. 
So it does seem that, that we're going to have dominion in a general sense. But it does seem that there's, as you read through some of the passages, there's greater rule given to people who are faithful in their responsibilities here now. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as we can go with it. How far? Yes. I mean, I can imagine, again, you may have a whole group of angels over here in this particular part of the universe. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly how that works. But I do think there will be some kind of rule, dominion, in our, along with our inheritance. I think those are blended together. Yes, yes. I would think so, too. Wow. Well, and, we, and then you talk about a royal welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we think back of, of when Christ entered Jerusalem on the donkey mm-hmm. and the royal welcome that he received then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, and 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 I I I I visualize that when I read this that mm-hmm. there's a royal welcome and certainly uh, in, in nowhere comparison to that of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I'm assuming that it's not a matter of just appearing in heaven or you know you you hear people talk about uh, you know the standing at Peter's gate and he's going to open a gate for us. But but how do you well how do you see this royal welcome? Well, get that from Peter's statement about growing spiritually. Mm-hmm. As you grow spiritually, he adds one uh, attribute after another, one quality after mm-hmm. the other. And he says, so it will affect your entrance into the kingdom. That's what I take it from. Mm-hmm. So the entrance sounds like the way you enter into this kingdom is going to be different. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I, I've got my own uh, picture of it. I, I picture uh, a person who's lived a life that has he sacrificed and nobody in the world ever knew what he did. He never had any place of honor, but he served Christ faithfully in his life and, and he's grown spiritually and now he's entering into into his inheritance. So he's entering into his kingdom inheritance. It seems like he's talking. It may be right after you die. It may be when you enter into your, into your inheritance after the judgment seat of Christ, after the rapture and establishment of the kingdom. Exactly when is not really clear in my mind. But I do think there will be an, a welcome. And this is my picture is, is one of a, of a red carpet. Um, at, with a row of angels over here with trumpets, a row of angels over here with trumpets. And, uh, and, and Jesus puts his arm around us. And we walk right down through the aisle together, praising God for everything that mm-hmm. Jesus did through our lives yes. uh, and growing us. See, he, this guy's grown up. Look, see, he's, he's close. He's, he's more like me when he grew up than, 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 than he was before. This is where he's mm-hmm. gone. So you got Jesus is saying, you got to grow up to be like me. Mm-hmm. The more you're like me, the more there's going to be a, a more excitement in the entrance. Oh, yes, yes. I, I like to imagine that. And, and and we could very well imagine that. And, you know, he talks about the, the last will be first and first will be last. So you think of that person who was who felt insignificant on this world, but like you say, served him faithfully. And he won't be insignificant in heaven, will he? And it's kind of like that song, I Can Only Imagine. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Of, can only lot, imagine. I can only I kind of like that song. It doesn't deal all, all, all with the rewards issue, all, all that told, but it's just the, the pictures of, of glory are wonderful things, and, and that's yeah. why we love his appearing. Yes, uh, let's clean the clean the clean the slate. Let's mm-hmm. just keep short accounts and just live for him today. Don't yes. don't don't worry about what's happened in the past. Just live for him today. Leverage what's happened in the past, but mm-hmm. but live for him today. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's also that reward of the divine commendation. And I think, you know, probably most often as Christians, we verbalize, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is that what you mean here? I, I know uh, Jody Dello in his book, Final Destiny, mm-hmm. he talks about the wedding, the wedding banquet. Mm-hmm. And, and it's those who have that commendation who will be invited to the banquet. Not all believers would, will attend the banquet. Uh, uh, according to, to Jody Dillo. But I'd love to get your thoughts on that, the divine commendation. Well, uh, Jody Dillo is a good friend of mine and highly respected. Uh, years ago, I, we, we both had a common friend by the name of Earl Rodmacher. Yes. The yes. president of, at the Western Seminary, started the seminary in Phoenix. And uh, we both studied under Earl. At, uh, at least I had studied under Earl at Dallas Seminary. I think he may have as well. And Earl would, said he traveled around. He had two books he carried with him. He had Jody's book and my book. If they were smart and they were really uh, outstanding thinkers, they gave him Jody's book. <laughs> if it was the average guy, they gave him my book. So, oh. so my, my book's written for the average guy. And I said, "Praise God, that's right." Jody really thinks deeply. I, I just, I well, love his, the guy. His books are large. I like fifteen hundred pages or more. I, I remember sitting in a theology class by Jody one day, and the professor said something. We both threw our pencils in the air because we thought it was absurd. It came from a extreme Calvinistic perspective, <laughs> and we both looked at each other. We pretty well see eye to eye. Almost things. Uh, we're both free grace guys. Yeah. I, I, I respect Jody's perspective on this, and I, some of the things that he says in the book uh, along this line may well be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just I don't want to tie it down dogmatically, sure. the, the sure. details of it. But it, there does seem to be a celebration of the marriage supper. Mm-hmm. How long the marriage supper lasts, people debate that. Is that mm-hmm. right at the beginning of the millennium? Is that the whole millennium? Is that what the millennium is? Uh, and the answer to that is maybe, maybe, maybe. Of course, um, of course. As older I get, the less dogmatic I get about a lot of things. And yes. a few things I get much more dogmatic about. Well, and of course, we're not supposed to know everything about right. uh, eternity. We, I mean, we our, our hope is for things unseen. And if he told us all the answers, uh, man would try to duplicate it here on earth, wouldn't we? That's part of it. And I think it's an excellent point you make. The other part of it is... Some of the things are beyond human understanding outside of the metaphor. Yes. It's kind of like talking to somebody who's never seen anything. Mm-hmm. What it's like to see something. Uh, if you're born blind, uh, you can't, it's hard to describe the things that are there. Yes, yes. Uh, it's maybe far more extreme than that, but to get the eyes of a, of a glorified body and see the, the heavenly mm-hmm. Uh, hosts, uh, uh, things that you cannot totally fathom explain. Yes. And that's what we're looking forward to. That, the excitement, uh, to me, that, that that's one of the things loving is appearing. I'm excited to see what it's going to be like. The anticipation is exciting, isn't it? Uh, even, uh, even dying starts getting exciting. You, yes. you don't want to you don't want to die in a fashion where you have a whole lot of pain on the way out. Uh, uh-huh. And you don't want to leave your family. Uh, so you're you're caught. As Paul says, I'm mm-hmm. I'm caught between the two. I want I want both of them. <laughs> right, exactly. I agree with you absolutely. Well, now, do you think the divine commendation would would that include the giving of crowns? Uh, you think, or let's talk Could about be. the crowns. Could be the divine yeah. commendation. I just I use that to the one of, one of the rewards is well done, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. I would suspect that some sometimes that include a, a crown or many crowns. Mm-hmm. The, the crowns. In, in my opinion, 
the, the, the imagery of the crown, whether it's a literal crown he gives us or not, he, he got pictures of real crowns in Revelation as the, yes. uh, yes. the, the elders are throwing before Christ. So I think if there'll be something that you're able to use to worship Christ throughout eternity, you get to throw it in his presence and pick it up and wear it again and throw it again down again, apparently, the way it works. Uh, I, I think that the crowns are, are really important things, but I, I think the reason that the, the, in the Bible is to tell us those are four really, they're four crowns. These are four things that are really important to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you study the crowns, not in order to try to figure out exactly what my crown is going to look like kind of thing. It's more like, well, if I love Jesus, I want to do the things that really are important to him. And are really important. And if he decided that those four areas, and that's what we'll talk about those, because if he decided those four areas are worthy of a crown, however it looks, yep. then that should be worthy of our time and attention to, right. to seek it, shouldn't yep. it? Yep. Well, let's, let's talk about those four areas, the crown of righteousness. Okay. And we referenced it in one of the other programs, but let's talk about the, what is that? What is, what does he mean by that? The crown of righteousness. Well, Paul refers to crowns early on in his writings when he writes the, the book of, he refers to the judgment seat of Christ and he refers to the judgment of the judgment of Christ early on when he wrote the Corinthian, the, the Corinthian epistles and Romans. Mm-hmm. So on his third missionary journey, he's writing these tr- fairly early on. And he, in that context, in 1 Corinthians, <clears throat> he refers to a crown. And the crown is called the incorruptible crown or a, an incorruptible crown. And the idea there is that a corruptible crown is one that could rot. Mm-hmm. So in ancient times, they could give you a crown made of branches at the end of a race. It would ultimately rot. Right. This would be a crown that would never rot. So you got an incorruptible crown. So he talks about the incorruptible crown there. He doesn't give a name for it. I take it that's referring in general to the crown of righteousness. Maybe to all of them, but probably to the crown of righteousness. At the end of his life, when he writes Second Timothy 4, he gives it a name. The crown of righteousness. It's a righteous crown. It's the crown that that God says this is right to give you. This is this is something that uh, is a part of you li- living a, a righteous life, and it's right for me to give to you. That's what, what reason I think it's probably called that. Well, that, that is the crown Paul says for running my race, which means a person gets that if if God has given them the gift of helps, and they're very quiet. And they're not they're not speakers, but they minister in the lives of other people. Mm. Uh, we get a call from the head of our men's ministry and uh, regularly. Well, they had a flood. We got to have somebody's asking help to come by and clean it up. This is a guy that shows up first the first minute of the time. He's out there with them. Uh, these are this is a guy that's got and a gal that's got the 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 ability and the gifts in the area of of, of helping. And they're faithfully carrying that out. They get the crown of righteousness. That's their course. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not the ones that look big or, or the big big show guys. It's the guys that are faithful to do whatever God calls them to do. And what he's equipped them to do with their gifts and right. their talents and right. opportunities and experiences. Right. Yeah, It's finishing, 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 your, finishing your course. In that chapter in the book, I talk about divine guidance because mm-hmm. if you're going to finish the course, you need to know what it is. Yes. And I think that the course basically is a course that Jesus knows and he leads us like a shepherd. Mm-hmm. And so we may fail a little bit here or there, and, he, we, and we learn from our mistakes, we move forward. And it's, it's not like it's a sudden roadmap and we, and we get off it and it's gone and we've lost the course. It's a matter of 
jumping back in and following Jesus. So every time we trip up or fall or slip into the ditch, we climb back out and we get and continue following Jesus. Yes, yes. That's the crown of righteousness. I love that. Love that. The crown of joy. Well, the crown of joy is referred to twice by Paul. Uh, he calls it one time, uses the word joy. The other word, the word exaltation. <laughs> it's a strong word for yes. joy. Uh, and he calls people the crowns in one place. So it appears that people that we lead to Christ and disciple, the people that he's led to Christ, he's wanting them to persevere. And so he says, you're my crown. It's like he says, if you guys mess up, I'm losing that crown. Wow. So your crown is leading people to Christ who are followed up and they persevere to the end, it seems to me. Mm. So what he's saying is, you guys hang in there because you're my crown. I don't, yes. I don't, I don't want my crown to get messed up and lose it. <laughs> I'm not sure how that fits. It may be that just if you lead someone to Christ, he gives you, he gives you a crown for that. Or maybe each individual who, who you lead to Christ that do persevere. Yes. Or that maybe someone else, maybe several people lead them to Christ and you disciple them. Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and they, so they continue. But it's, it's the impact that you've had on somebody else's life that to know Christ, to follow him, and to become like Christ. That's, that's the crown. That makes sense because I just think of, you know, in your years of ministry, I'm sure you've, you've had people whose, whose lives have been transformed mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and that the God has used you to teach them or to disciple them or mentor them. And, and they come to you as babes in Christ. And when you see them serving and leading, it brings tremendous joy here. Uh, so. and, that, and, and that may may be included in the crown. Yeah. What, what seems to be clear is that the people that you lead the Lord uh-huh. and you disciple to get going, if those yeah. folks, uh, he does leave the impression you want them to continue. So uh, the, the crown seems to be the people you lead to Christ. It, it, the focus is on evangelism, it seems to me, okay. and discipling new believers. Mm-hmm. As far as what's important, how God re- rewards, he, he rewards us in accordance with our following Jesus and do what he wants us to do. And that's a piece of it. Yes. And, and it's just given, the, the, that crown is given to say, share the gospel and disciple the new believer is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's, that's why it's a, it, I, I take a little time in the book to talk about evangelism because of that. I agree. That's awesome. And, and then the crown of life. Now, the crown of life is referred to by both James and John. In the same way, it's very significant to me that phrase is used both by James when he's talking about suffering in chapter 1. It's also used by John when he talks about the suffering church in the book of Revelation, uh, the church at Smyrna. So in both cases, he says they receive the crown of life. Now, I know some hold that the crown of life is just another way of saying being saved. I don't think so. I think in the context, it's like all the other crowns. It's a special reward for those who... Uh, are in the midst of hard times and they go through suffering and they remain true to the Lord in that suffering. Mm-hmm. It definitely seems to point to uh, persecution, if you're persecuted. Yes, yes. There's a, uh, a gentleman by the name of Nick Ripkin. That's not his real name. That's his pseudonym because of what he writes about. Spoke to us on a couple of different occasions at conferences we had with our mission. Uh, he was in Somalia when... Uh, Black Hawk Down took place. He was a missionary there, and he saw every believer he know get killed. Oh, Every one of them was slain, wow. and he went through a very difficult time. 
uh, emotional. He came back. He was an IMB missionary, came back to the States. And while he was in the States, he, uh, I think it was on some particular college campus, he gave him time to recuperate. And he had a heart for finding out what's going on with the persecuted church. So he got a grant from the Baptists to send him all over the world. He interviewed people in China and in the Arabic countries and in Russia where they had been in prison now that they're out of prison. He, he did this and he went all over the world doing this. And uh, he shared his, his, the stories of these. I, I, did, I remember weeping. I was just sitting there listening to the guy tell the story, especially these guys in prison in, in Russia, because I was ministering in Russia at the time. And it was amazing to hear that. I'm thinking, man, there's the crown of life. These are the guys. That, that's, those are the ones definitely he's talking about. Incidentally, I got an email last week. They just filmed Nick Ripkin's story. And it's going to be on uh, in the movie theaters at Oh, you know, you know, one night deal, you know, they do a Christian film, yeah, yeah. but it's called The Insanity of God hmm. is the name of his book in, this, in the account. Well, what, what I sense is he's describing crown of life recipients. I guess so, yeah. Now, I think also whether there's a specific crown for it or not, he's trying to say endure suffering, whatever form it's whatever in. Whatever form. Because mm-hmm. in James, he's talking about being tempted by the suffering to give up. And he says, don't ever think God tempts anybody. Every good gift comes from God. And then he says, he will give you the crown of life. So the Hang pe- on. <laughs> hang on. Yeah. yeah. So I take it, 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 it at least got application, if not literally a, a crown given for a person going through suffering and remaining true to the Lord, whatever the suffering comes from. And certainly that seems that would be a deserving yeah. Reward for those who have Whatever suffered. Whatever it is, so he's saying it's important. Yes, yes. That, that's why. You, that's why we're studying the thing, not trying to die, tie this thing down and and have we got tied a little bow. We got the whole pa- package figured out. We don't have to do that. No, we don't have to do that. We just know he's got special reward. He want, It's very important to him what we're doing, and these are really important things. No doubt about it. Well, the, the last one that we mentioned is uh, the crown of glory. And that's Peter. He picks up on the same subject, and Peter says, if you got an elder. And he's living a, a godly life and being a good elder, not doing it for filthy lucre. He's you not know, doing it for money. He's got the good attitude for it, and he's serving his people. Uh, he gets the, uh, the crown of glory. When I was in India, they asked me to teach on how to pastor a house church in six simple lessons that could be multiplied four generations with pictures and stories. The hardest teaching I've ever done in my life, and I love it. It's one of my favorite. I'm working on a course. I'm doing all of eschatology in six simple lessons right now. I'm supposed to teach wow. in September. But in the course, I'm, I draw a picture of a shepherd and a picture of some sheep, and I say, you're supposed to be talking about leadership. And the, the missionary working with me comes over and says, you, you got to draw it different. I said, why? I said, you need to do it like Peter says to do it. And so what he did, he told me to do it this way. He draw the sheep at the top. And you put the shepherd down below, leading the sheep. In other words, the picture of a sheep, shepherd at the top and the sheep at the bottom says he's the Lord. He's in charge. Yeah. The picture of the shepherd below is he's leading, but he's also serving. Mm-hmm. He has a servant heart. Whenever I read that passage, I get that picture in mind that missionary told me to do. So every time we teach it, we draw. That's how you're supposed to lead. If you're a pastor, you're shepherding your your flock, looking out for them, not you. You're looking out for them, and you're willing to sacrifice for their sake. That's the kind of person that gets the crown of glory. Oh, yes. Wow. And that's why Jesus Christ deserves 
so much glory because that's Amen. exactly what he did for us. Amen. Didn't He's he? a model. He's he a is. Model. He is. He is. Now here's here's the way we teach that course. We got we yes. have four statements, and that's what they taught me to do, how to teach it. I put it together. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus gave his life for the sheep. God called me to be a good shepherd. I need to give my life for the sheep. Mm. You want to know how to pastor a church? There it is. Four easy lessons. Four easy sins. That's a good leadership course right there. <laughs> that's right and there. I love it. They've taught me a lot about simplifying to get down to the real bare facts, and I think that's true. I agree. And Such that's wisdom. What that, that's what that crown of glory is about. Such wisdom. How do we keep our focus on living our lives to bring honor and glory to the Lord all the time, knowing, yes, there are rewards? How do we keep our focus just on His glory? I think that one of the most important things for me is time alone with Him every day. The second is, I'm discipling somebody else and I'm telling them to do it, so I got to do it too. <laughs> yes. So to me, two big important things to keep keep me oriented: one, spend time with the Lord; and two, spending time trying to disciple somebody else and telling them to do it. You kind of feel responsible; <laughs> you need to do it too. Have an accountability line, if you will. And then the other part: well, that's that. The, the, I've got a person I'm training. Then the third part is anybody that I'm trying to disciple. I do mutual accountability with them. I got a text message here just a few minutes ago from one of the guys that I met with last night that we're in our discipleship group, and uh, we're challenging each other about our walk with the Lord today. And I I think that to keep your focus, you need other brothers and sisters to help you do it. No doubt about it. And if we do that, we really are going for the gold, aren't we? Going for the gold. (laughs) Then you're going for the gold. Oh, goodness. Thank you so much, Dr. Wall. This has been a wonderful three-week series. I know our listeners have been blessed as I have been. Thank you so very much. Thank you. We'll have you back. Well, we hope that you've been encouraged and motivated to finish the race with your eye on the prize. We encourage you to learn more through these podcasts and also through courses offered at Grace School of Theology. Now, if you missed the previous podcasts, they are available in our website archives for your convenience. Please invite friends and family to tune in as well. We would love to get your feedback about today's podcast. We've set up a couple of ways for you to communicate with us. Email questions or comments to savinggrace at gsot.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at savinggracecast. Also, if you'd like to uh, get the book we've been discussing, Going for the Gold, there's a link uh, in our show notes. Just check that out on the podcast. We'll address questions on future podcasts, so be sure and send those questions and comments. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. Amen. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.